0: Welcome to John Owen Represbyterianized by Dr. Francis Nigel Lee. We are continuing to read at page 15 for this reading. This Reformation Audio resource is a production of Stillwaters Revival Books. Many free resources as well as our complete mail order catalog containing classic and contemporary Puritan reform books, CDs, and much more at great discounts are on the web at www.swrb.com. Also, please consider, pray, and act upon the important truths found in the following quotation by Charles Virgin. Quote, as the Apostle says to Timothy, so also he says to everyone, give yourself to reading. He who will not use the thoughts of other men's brains proves that he has no brains of his own. You need to read and renounce as much as you will all light literature, but study as much as possible sound theological works especially the Puritanic writers and expositions of the Bible. The best way for you to spend your leisure is to be either reading or praying, unquote. And now to SWRB's reading of John Owen, re-Presbyterianized, which we hope you find to be a great blessing and which we pray draws you nearer to the Lord Jesus Christ. For he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by him. John chapter 14, verse 6. The expansion of the Presbyterian Church from Jerusalem to Antioch, soon both Deacon Stephen and Deacon Philip were appointed evangelists or ministers of the Word and Sacraments, ordained by presbytery to start new works for the church, especially in regions beyond. Acts chapter seven, eight, and chapter eight, verse five, and chapter twenty-one, verse eight. Chapter fir- I mean, uh, book uh, First Timothy, chapter one, verse three in chapter 4 verse 14 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 1 through 5 and Titus chapter 1 verses 4 through 5 Stephen started telling the Jews that Jesus the promised Messiah is quote he that was in the church in the wilderness unquote he, who spoke to Moses when the latter was on Mount Sinai together with the elders of Israel Acts chapter 6 verses 8 through 14 and chapter 7 verse 2 and chapter 7 verses 37 Exodus chapter 18 verses 12 through 26 and chapter 19 verse 7 chapter 24 verses 1 through 14 and Galatians chapter 3 verse 19 The evangelist Philip in turn turn went to Samaria preaching and baptizing there Acts chapter 8 verses 1 through 12 Such ministries led to the multiplication of new congregations and to the creation of new presbyteries Soon, quote, the churches throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied unquote. Acts chapter 9, verse 31, It became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Acts chapter 9, verse 42, They which were scattered abroad at the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word. Some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they had come to Antioch spoke to the Greeks, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord chapter 11 verses 19 through 23 liaison between Jerusalem and Antioch and the increase of elders with so many new congregations in that region this soon led to the creation of the new Presbytery of Antioch and quote And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch, then the disciples. Every man, according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did and sent it to the elders, unquote, at Acts chapter 11, verses 26 through 30. Note here the connection and the relationship between the Presbytery of Antioch and those in Judea. Quote, The word of God grew and multiplied, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem unquote, to antioch acts chapter seventy two verse twenty four Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, unquote, four of whom were mentioned in addition to Saul or Paul quote, as they ministered to the Lord, the Holy Ghost said, Separate your, separate Barnabas and Saul unto me for the work whereinto I have called them." Unquote. and when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them they sent them away compare Acts chapter 13 verses 1 through 3 thus commissioned as missionary evangelists by the Presbytery of Antioch Reverend Saul and Barnabas preached the word and created house churches in Cyprus and in what is now Turkey Acts chapter 13 verse 4 to Acts, chap- to Acts chapter 14 verse 21 Quote, and when they had ordained them elders in every church, they commended them to the Lord in whom they believed. After they had passed through uh, Pisidia, they went down into Italia, and then sailed to Antioch from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. Quote, and when they were come and had gathered the Antiochian presbytery of the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they stayed for a long time with the disciples, unquote. Acts chapter 14, verse 23 through 28. Dissension in Presbyteries led to the calling of a synod. However, quote, "...certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, unless you get circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved." When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and by the apostles and elders, unquote, in Acts chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. According to Acts chapter 15-2, representatives of the presbyteries of at least Antioch and Jerusalem now met together in order to settle a very important matter. After, quote, no small dissension and disputation, unquote, had plagued the church. Indeed, it seems that representatives would also have been sent from the equally concerned presbyteries of Syria and Cilicia in Acts chapter 15 verse 23 and Acts chapter 15 verse 41 for a great doctrinal controversy had arisen in the apostolic congregations first in Judea and later, and later in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia it was a controversy as to whether converts to Christianity from heathendom, in addition to needing to be baptized needed also to be circumcised quote, after the manner of Moses unquote. the matter was sent up by way of reference Or referral, apparently by the regional presbytery of Antioch, Acts 13, verse 1 through 5, and 14, verse 27, and possibly also by the regional presbytery of Syria and the regional presbytery of Cilicia. Acts chapter 15 verse 23 and chapter 15 verse 41 it was referred not to a mere congregation however influential in Jerusalem but to the apostles and elders themselves Acts chapter 15 verse 2 in other words to a synod which came together precisely to adjudicate on this indeed the very word synod from the Greek words son and cod Elias with and rode Means precisely a crossroads where people would gather for meetings. Quote, the apostles and elders came together for to consider this matter, unquote, in Acts chapter 15 verse 6. These apostles and elders, and they alone came together to consider the matter, Acts chapter 15 verse 6. Other non-commissioned persons present were simply observers at the synod such as, quote, the multitude, unquote, in Acts chapter 15, verse 12, and, quote, the whole church, unquote, Elias, the entire congregation, in Acts chapter 15, 22, and, uh, quote, brethren, unquote, in Acts chapter 15, verse 23. Such observers only silently and non-votingly concurred in the decision made by the Synod itself. Many delegates to that synod spoke up, quote, and when there had been much disputing, unquote, Acts chapter 15 verse 7, Peter, Barnabas, Paul, and finally James all spoke their minds in Acts chapter 15 verses 7 through 13. James referred to the sacred scriptures. Explicitly pointing to the prediction of the internationalization of the church in Amos chapter 9 verse 11, and implicitly presupposing the ongoing obligatoriness of the provisions of the Noahic covenant in Genesis chapter 9 verses 1 through 12. Then he recommended that the Synod write to the troubled Gentile Christians and decree not that they should observe the Mosaic laws, but indeed that they should keep the Noahic laws derived from the moral law given to all men from Adam to Noah, etc. Acts chapter 15 verses 13 through 20. The Synod decreed binding injunctions upon the presbyteries and their churches. Quote, then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men at their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. Namely, Judas surnamed Barnabas and Silas chief men or Andres Higo Menos, Elias ruling men among the brethren. Acts chapter 15 verse 22 Thus too Owen in Roman numeral 23 section 420 quote They wrote letters for them after this manner The apostles and elders and brethren send greetings unto the brethren which are from the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia For as much as we have heard that certain men who went forth from us have troubled you with words subverting your soul saying you must get circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good to us, being assembled, with one accord to send chosen men to you, with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have thus sent Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth." Unquote. Acts chapter 15, verses 23 through 27. Here the synod then resolved to write to the presbyteries of Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. It resolved further also to choose delegates and then to send those chosen delegates to those presbyteries. Those delegates from the Synod would then also orally assure those presbyterial courts and their congregations of the mind of the Synod anent several important matters. The Synodical Letter then continued, It seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than all of these necessary things. That you abstain from foods offered to idols, and from blood, and from things strangled, and from fornication, from which, if you keep yourselves, you shall do well. Farewell. Unquote. Acts chapter 15, verses 22b through 29. Here the Synod assured Gentile Christians in those presbyteries that the Holy Spirit did not wish to burden them with any necessity of their being circumcised after the manner of Moses. However, in what is often overlooked, the Synod also assured those Gentile Christians that, quote, it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and therefore to us, unquote, that it was indeed necessary for them to observe certain essential practices. Such were the, quote, necessary things, unquote, of God's moral law, V.I.Z., You shall not make for yourself any graven image, unquote. Quote, you shall not murder, unquote. Quote, you shall not commit adultery, unquote, etc. For that moral law is pre-Mosaic and indeed part and parcel of both the Adamic and the Noahic covenants which God still enjoins all men everywhere to observe. See Genesis chapter 2, verses 17 chapter 9 verses 1 through 12 Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 29 Hosea chapter 6 verse 7 Matthew chapter 19 verses 17 through 19 Romans chapter 2 verse 14 and chapter 13 verses 8 through 10 and James chapter 2 verses 8 through 12 the synod's decrees delivered to the congregations within the presbyteries the delegates thus deputized by and from that synod then quote came to the presbytery of Antioch and when they had gathered the multitude together they delivered the epistle which when they had read it they rejoiced because of the consolation Acts chapter 15 verse 30 And Paul chose Silas and went through the presbyteries of Syria and Cilicia while confirming the churches and as they went through the cities they delivered them the decrees that had been ordained by the apostles and elders for the presbyteries to keep them And so were the churches, Elias, all of the congregations in the Presbyteries, established in the Christian faith, and increased in number daily, Acts chapter 15, verse 42, chapter 16, verse 5. Here note that the word, quote, decrees, unquote, translates the Greek word dogmata. It means enacted ordinances. Such enactments of the synod were not merely advisory, but indeed actually obligatory for the Christians, and all of the congregations within the several presbyteries here addressed. As Owen himself observes in Roman numeral 16, section 46, quote, the brethren of the church may be so multiplied as that the constant meeting of them all in one place may not be absolutely best for their edification, how be it, that on, that on all the solemn occasions of the church to their consent was necessary they did of old and ought still to meet in the same place V.I.Z. in such synods for advice and consultation and consent this is so fully expressed and exemplified in the two great churches in the presbyteries of Jerusalem and Antioch Acts chapter 15 that it cannot be gainsaid unquote Elsewhere, too, Owen explains in Roman numeral seventeen section ninety nine quote the Synod indeed at Jerusalem had determined that the yoke of the law of the Israelites should not be put upon the necks of the Gentile converts Acts chapter fifteen unquote. Dr. Owen's most extended treatment on the Synod of Jerusalem, Acts chapter fifteen here is Owen's most extended treatment of the Synod of Jerusalem as it is described in Acts fifteen. Quote, Number one, the occasion of it, unquote, he explains in section or in Roman numeral sixteen, section two zero seven, was a difference in the Church of Antioch which they could not compose among themselves because those who caused the difference pretended authority from the apostles, as is evident in verses one and twenty four. Number two, the meaning of its convention, Elias, the reason for its being then convened. Was the reference of the matter in debate made by the church at Antioch. Number three, the persons constituting the synod were the apostles, elders, and brethren of the church at Jerusalem, and the messengers, commissioners, of that of Antioch, with whom Paul and Barnabas were joined in the same delegation. Number four, the matter in difference was debated as unto the mind of God concerning it in the Scripture and out of the Scripture, on James's proposal. The determination was made. Number five, there was nothing imposed anew on the practice of the churches. Direction is given in one particular instance as unto duty necessary on many accounts unto the Gentile converts, namely to abstain from fornication, unquote, etc. Number six, the grounds whereupon, whereon the Synod proposed the reception of and compliance with its decrees were for one, that What they had determined was the mind of the Holy Ghost, Acts chapter 15, verse 28a. Number two, the authority of the assembly as convened in the name of Christ and by virtue of his presence. It pleased the Holy Ghost and us, Acts chapter 15, verse 28b. Three, that the things which they had determined were, quote, necessary, unquote, Acts 15, verse 28c and Acts chapter 15, 29a for from the duty with respect unto the peace and mutual communion of the Jewish and Gentile churches doing thus say they ye shall do well acts chapter 15 verse 29b Owen's great discourse concerning the administration of church censures in Owen's discourse concerning the administration of church censures he applies acts chapter 15 to the exercise of connectional ecclesiastical discipline Quote, on the uh, on the part of other churches, unquote, Owen there explains, Roman numeral sixteen, section two thirty. A church may either causelessly or with just cause cast out or withdraw communion from a number of their members. This whole order and practice are grounded on a special warrant and approbation recorded Acts fifteen. Quote, the occasion there mentioned fell out in the providence of God the practice upon it was guided by the Holy Ghost that it might be an example and rule for the churches of Christ in cases of a like concernment unto them in all ages and so have the force and warranty of an institution as it was in the case that gave occasion unto deacons Acts 6 in that case a matter of fact wherein was some disorder rectified by a practice answering the necessity of the church became an institution for order in all future ages the quote deacons also in Philippians chapter 1 verse 1 and 1st Timothy chapter 3 verses 8 through 13 at the later Jerusalem General Assembly in Acts 15 in that synod the truth was searched out amid the mind or the Holy Ghost searched into by reasonings and the consideration of scripture testimonies, whereby they were guided in their conclusion and determination that, wherein many churches are concerned, should be considered, advised upon, and determined by more churches holding communion together, and meeting for that purpose for by their messengers, unquote, Elias, their com- commissioners, Quote, to deny an institution of so great necessity to the peace and edification of the churches will give great countenance unto men who, supposing such defects, are ready to supply them with their own inventions, unquote. Thus Dr. Owen, what a good description of the, quote, inventions, unquote, of independency. Presbytery elders in the church courts at Ephesus and Rome and Crete in Acts chapter 20 verses 17 through 28 Paul admonished all of the elders in Ephesus in Acts chapter 21 verses 18 through 25 Galatians chapter 2 verses 1 through 9 James and the elders in Jerusalem remind even Paul of the conclusions reached at the previous synod and its binding power on Christians In Romans chapter 11 verses 16 through 26 and Galatians chapter 3 verse 16 to, uh, chapter 4 verse 26. Paul insists that the Christian church was and is the heir of ancient Israel, and in Romans chapter 12 verses 4 through 8 he upholds presbyterial government by elders not only in Greece's church of Centria, but also in respect of all of the tiny house congregations in the presbytery of Rome, chapter 15 verses 1 through 17. For all Christians everywhere baptized in the name of the triune God as the ultimate presbytery are obligated also to work with one another within that presbyterial system. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 3 through 28, chapter 12 verse 13, chapter 16 verses 1 through 8, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3, Philippians chapter 1 verse 1, Colossians chapter 4 verses 14. 1st Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 8 thus in 1st Timothy chapter 4 verse 14 Paul reminds Reverend Timothy to heed the prophecy given him When ordained with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery, 1 Timothy chapter 5 verses 17 through 22 reenacts the Old Testament requirements of two or three witnesses, especially in respect of the work of the elders and Titus chapter 1 verses 5 through 11 reminds Reverend Titus that he had been commissioned also to ordain elders in every city throughout Crete. The book of Hebrews grounds New Testament elders in the Old Testament church. In Hebrews chapter 3, verses 3 through 6, we are told that Christ, quote, "...was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who has built the house has more honor than the house," unquote. For Christ was and is, quote, a son over his own house, unquote. Nevertheless, just as the Old Testament church was designed by Christ and merely constructed by Moses, so too the New Testament church as its fulfillment and replacement was also designed and is being built toward its completion by the Lord Jesus Christ himself, quote, whose house are we, unquote. Similarly, in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 5, Moses was admonished by God when he, as the Lord's agent, was about to start constructing the tabernacle. For see, God said to Moses quote, that you make all things according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain. Unquote. It was there that Moses, together with the elders of the Older Testament's church, waited upon the Lord, Exodus chapter 24, verses 1 through 15, and chapter 25, verse 40. Christ has obtained a much more excellent ministry. He exercised his fine ministry also through the rule of elders in his Older Testament church. So too he now exercises his still more excellent ministry also through the rule of elders in his newer testament church see Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 verse 17 and verse 24 quote Christ unquote says Owen in Roman numeral 15 section 245 is seen in quote his faithfulness in and over the house of God wherein he is compared unto and preferred above Moses Hebrews chapter 3 verses 3 through 6 now the faithfulness of Moses consisted in this, that he did and appointed all things according to the pattern showed him in the mount. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 5, that is, all whatever it was the will of God to be revealed and appointed for the constitution, order, rule, and worship of his church, and to nothing else, but it was the will of God that there should be all those things in the gospel church state also, unquote. For the church in both Old and New Testament times was and is the same Presbyterian system in which Christ ruled and keeps on ruling through his elders in their graded ecclesiastical courts. In Hebrews chapter 10 verses 23 through 29 Christians everywhere are urged also today not to neglect the gathering of themselves together and are warned about the testimony of two or three elders also in Old Testament times. In Deuteronomy chapter 7 verses 16-16 I mean verse 6 through 9 thus in the very next chapter Hebrews chapter 11 verses 1 through 4 members of especially the New Testament church are reminded of the faith and action of the presbyterioi Abel and Enoch and Noah whom also Owen regards as seniors Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 through 4 with chapter 12 verses 1 through 2 in chapter 12, verses 6 through 9, in chapter 12, verse 22, with chapter 13, verse 17, I mean verses 7, verse 17, and verse 24. The general assembly of the church of the firstborn in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, God tells his New Testament church that she had, quote, come unto the, to Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, Namely, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling speaking better things than that of Abel, the presbyteros. Says Dr. Owen in Roman numeral 23, sections 328 through 338, quote, We have here a blessed, yea, a glorious description of the Catholic Church, Elias, the Church Universal, As the nature and communion of it are revealed under the gospel, the Catholic Church is distributed into two parts, namely that which is militant and that which is triumphant. They are both comprehended in this description. For the first expressions, Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, do principally respect that part of the church which is militant. The foundation of this Catholic communion, or communion of the Catholic Church, comprising of all that is holy and dedicated unto God, is laid down in the recapitulation recapitua- of all things in and by Jesus Christ. Exodus chapter 1 verse 10. I mean, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10. All things are gathered into one head in Him, which is the sole foundation of their mutual communion we have here as association now precisely from Galatians chapter 4 verses 25 through 26 it is apparent that by Mount Zion and the heavenly Jerusalem in the same state of the church militant is intended the apostle calls the state of believers under the New Testament by the name of Zion all pleas about church order, power, rights and privileges are useless where men are not interested in this Zion state this was the city of God Quote, the state of the church under the New Testament is so therein he disposes all his children into a spiritual society their Greek term or city conversation is in heaven Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 this is the second privilege of the gospel state wherein all the remaining promises of the Old Testament are transferred and made over to believers There is a spiritual order and beauty in the communion of the Catholic Church, such as becomes or behooves the city of the living God. Another instance of the glory of this state is that therein believers come to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. The words here used Greek term and Greek term are borrowed from the customs of those cities whose government was democratical. <clears throat> Greek term was was the solemn assembly hence is the word used for any great general assembly Greek term was a meeting of the citizens to determine of things and affairs which had had a previous deliberation in the Senate hence it is applied to signify that which we call the church or Greek or Hebrew term Quote, herein there may be an allusion unto the assemblies of such cities but i rather think the apostle hath respect unto the general assembly of all the mature males of the church of the old testament this was a divine institution to be observed three times a year exodus chapter 30 verse 23 and deuteronomy chapter 16 verse 16 the assembly of them was called the, the great congregation psalm chapter 22 verse 25 psalm chapter 25 verse 18 and 40 chapter 9 i mean verse 9 through 10 it may be regard is had unto the general assembly of the whole people at sinai in receiving of the law unquote note there that the people of the lord received that law of god precisely through their graded courts of elders Exodus chapter 18 verses 12 through 26, chapter 19 verse 1 through 7, chapter 20 verse 1, and chapter 21 verse 22, chapter 24 verse 4 through 9. Hebrews chapter 13 verses 7 through 24, quote, remember your guides, unquote, and obey your ruling elders. Also, Owen realized this, for he soon goes on, Roman numeral 23, section 420, to quote Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, as follows quote, Remember your guides, plural, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation, Elias, the purpose of their behavior. Owen oh, then further explains that this relates to the persons of some men, plural, who lead the people of God, namely to such as are, quote, their guides, plural. he adds we must consider who are the persons intended our translation makes them to be their present rulers Greek term them which have the rule over you Greek term is a participle of the present tense meaning he who keeps on ruling hence the plural Greek term means those who keep on ruling and thus rulers Elias ruling elders Owen continues with his advice to the New Testament church members to obey their ruling elders on Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 he states there is another precept given with respect unto them afterwards and that in words suited unto the duty which they owe them obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves Judas and Silas are called Greek term or Greek phrase Acts chapter 15 verse 22 the general assembly of passage quote chief men among the brethren unquote Greek term is used in this chapter only Hebrews 13 verses 7 verse 17 and verse 24 for an officer or officers in the church who guide and direct the church which is the nature of their office. That is, bishops, pastors, elders that preside in the church, guide it and go before it, unquote. In Roman numeral 23, section 462, Owen cites also Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, unquote. Owen then explains, There, quote, there is a supposition of a settled church state among them unto whom the apostle wrote, Whereof he gave intimation in chapters ten or chapter ten verses twenty four through twenty five, for there were among them rulers and those that were ruled. Quote, These guides or rulers, unquote, explains Owen, quote, are those who are called the elders, plural, or bishops, plural, of the church. There were many of them in each church, Elias, each single congregation. Each of them must be supposed to have had more of these rulers of their own than one, for they are directed to obey them that had the rule over them. Here is no room left for a single bishop, and his rule in the church must must less for a pope. these rulers, or guides, were then of two sorts, as the Apostle declares in First Timothy 5.17. First, such as together with rule, labored also in word and doctrine, and then such as attended unto rule only. The rulers, or guides, here intended, were the ordinary elders, or officers, of the church, which were then settled among them, that there be such... More than one in every church, Elias' congregation belongs into the complete state and constitution of it, unquote. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 24, a postscript, the holy writer enjoins, quote, Salute all them that have the rule over you, and all the saints. They of Italy salute you, unquote. The latter phrase perhaps suggests that the members of at least one presbytery in Italy, and apparently also from Italy, were giving their fraternal and also connectional salute to Hebrew Christians under the several presbyteries in Judea within the General Assembly of the Church of the Firstborn. Compare Owen's works, Roman numeral 17, section 96 through 101, with Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, and also with Hebrews chapter 13, verse 24. At... Roman numeral 23 section 484 Owen explains it is his immediate addresses in Judea to whom the holy writer quote speaks peculiarly in this postscript giving them in charge within Judea to salute both their rulers and all the rest of the saints or members of the church in his name who these rulers were whom they are enjoined to salute hath been fully declared in verse seventeen, unquote. Presbytery elders in the so called Catholic Epistles, James to Jude. In James one, chapter one, verse one, and chapter five, verse fourteen, needy Christians among all of the twelve tribes of Israel were urged to call in the elders plural of the church to pray for those who were sick. Two in First Peter chapter one, verse one and chapter 5 verses 1 through 5 those scattered throughout Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia were urged to obey the elders among them indeed also in 2nd Peter chapter 2 verses 1 through 5 and chapter 3 verses 2 through 7 Hebrews chapter 11 verses 2 through 7 Christians were reminded that Noah was a preaching elder and that the world should heed similar preaching throughout history in 1 John chapter 2 verses 9 through 14 the apostle urges this or urges his beloved Christian addressees to maintain the bond of their covenantal solid- solidarity with all of their brethren Be they, quote, little children, unquote, or, quote, fathers, unquote, or, quote, young men, unquote, etc. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 19, he warns these groups not individualistically to backslide into independency. In 2 John verses 1 through 13, or 2 John chapters 1 through 13, that apostle calls himself an elder or verses 1 through 13, I'm sorry, that apostle calls himself an elder. He assures what seems to be a presbytery or, quote, elect lady, unquote, and her congregations or, quote, children, unquote, that, quote, the children, unquote, also of her, quote, elect, sis- elect sister, unquote, presbytery, greet them. In 3 John verses 1 through 11, the same elder anti-congregationalistically commends the connectional intercourse between the congregation of Gaius on the one hand and his other brethren elsewhere on the other. Yet the elder also reminds his addressees that he quote, wrote unto the church unquote, in order to rebuke and to admonish the domineering diatrophies. Dr. John Owen himself explains in Roman numeral 16 section 199 quote the ends of synods among the churches the general end of them all is to promote the edification of the whole body or church catholic and quote to relieve such by advice as may be by any diatrophies unduly cast out of the church unquote in 3rd John verses 1 through 10 In Jude, verse 1, that holy author calls himself, quote, the brother of James, unquote, apparently meaning the brother of the moderator of the Synod of Elders, described in Acts, chapter 15, verse 13, chapter 12, verse 17, and chapter 21, verse 18. In Jude, verse 4, warns his addressees against, quote, certain men crept in unawares, unquote. Acts, chapter 15, verse 24, and Galatians, chapter 2, verses 3 through 10, Jude accuses such hyper-independent individualists as having, quote, gone in the way of Cain, unquote, rather than having stayed in the good way of the presbyter, Abel, verse 11, and Hebrews chapter 11, verses 2 through 4. He even compares them with the unruly antediluvians who were preached against by presbyters like Enoch and Noah, verse 14, and Hebrews chapter 11, verses 2 through seven and Second Peter chapter two verses one through five. Finally, Jude urges his addressees to heed the words previously spoken by the apostolic elders verses th- seventeen, that would certainly include their words spoken at the synod of Jerusalem. Acts chapter 15 verse 4 and chapter 15 verse 13 and chapter 15 verse 23 Owen says in Roman numeral chapter 22 verse 37 or section 37 that the pre-Mosaic independent hyper-individualists mentioned quote in Jude 7 are set forth for an example of what would be God's dealing with provoking sinners at the last day indeed the great the great congregationalist theologian even refers to quote the Socinians unquote Elias the hyper-individualistic anti-trinitarian unitarians unquote, quote, "many things concerning God and his essential properties" unquote, "such as his triunity explains Owen" Roman numeral 1 section 87 quote they have greatly perverted so is that fulfilled in them which was spoken by Jude unquote to this we ourselves would only add that once people depart into independency from connectional presbyteries reflecting the triune God itself as the ultimate trinity it is usually not very long before those independents further lapse into at least a high Arianism that curtails the full co-importance of the second person and also especially the third person within the ultimate presbytery of the Holy Trinity it also undercuts the full deity even of the first person himself by leaving him from all eternity as a quote non-father unquote bereft of the filial companionship of a co-eternal son and devoid of perpetual fellowship with him in the Holy Spirit Indeed, in the very long run, Orthodox Trinitarianism and Orthodox Presbyterianism stand or fall together. The Presbytery and the two dozen elders in the Trinity's Book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 1, verses 10 through 20, and chapter 2, verse 1, to chapter 3, verse 20, one finds a beautiful picture of Presbyterian church government. For there are seven different congregations reflecting both the oneness and the manyness of the triune God Himself, Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, are organically and indissolubly conjoined within the same presbytery, as seven different branches of one and the same golden candlestick, Exodus chapter 25, verses 31 through 40, and chapter 37, verse 17. Dr. John Owen, too, in Roman numeral 15, section 512, saw that, quote, All Christians were originally of one mind unto joint communion. The discipline of the Church consists in the due exercise of that authority and power which the Lord Jesus Christ hath granted unto the Church for its continuance, increase, and preservation, in order and holiness according to his appointment. Revelation chapter 2, verses 2 and 20, unquote. In Revelation chapter four verse four and chapter five verse eight verses eight through fourteen, the apostle John saw in heaven, quote, four and twenty seats or thrones, and upon the seats four and twenty elders sitting, unquote. Now here the New Testament Greek has <clears throat> Greek phrase where Greek term means quote thrones, unquote, and Greek term means, quote, elders, unquote, and Greek term means, quote, thoroughly seated, unquote, Elias, quote, in session, unquote. The Vulgate here has Latin term, which means, quote, seats, unquote, and Latin term, which means, quote, senators, unquote, and Revelation chapter 11, verse 16 the twenty-four, quote, elders sat before God on their seats, unquote. Here the New Testament Greek has Greek phrase, where Greek term means, quote, elders, unquote, and where Greek term means, quote, thoroughly seated, unquote, and Greek term means, quote, thrones, unquote. The Vulgate here has Latin term, which means, quote, senators, unquote, Elias, quote elders unquote and Latin term which means quote sat in their seats unquote to also Revelation chapter 19 verse 4 and Revelation chapter 21 verses 12 through 14 chapter 4 verse 4 through 11 chapter 5 verses 8 through 14 and chapter 7 verses 2 through 8 and chapter 14 verse 1 and 19 chapter 19 verse 4 and chapter twenty two verse four, it is made plain that the names of the twelve tribes of Israel, their provincial assemblies, and the names of the twelve apostles, their general assembly or synod, are both equally written on the gates and foundations of the city of God called New Jerusalem. This shows that Christ's biblical church is grounded in both the Older Testament represented by the Twelve Patriarchs and the Newer Testament represented by the Twelve Apostles and further reflected by the 24 elders of the Presbyterian Church of all ages B.C. 4004-A.D. till 1995 Finally, in section 22, verse 16 or in verse, verses, or chapter 22 verse 16, and chapter 1 verses 12 through 20, and chapter 2 verse 1 to chapter 3 verse 22, Jesus testifies of these things in all of the congregations in his Presbyterian church, he then adds that no man may add to his book as does the non-Presbyterian Romish church with her vain traditions, and that no man may take away from his book as do the congregationalistic sects of dispensationalists which take away the Old Testament foundation from the government of the New Testament church. Oh, and before Parliament, quote, I plead for Presbyterian government in churches. Unquote. Practically throughout the Westminster Assembly, of which he himself was not a member, Owen was still a Presbyterian and not yet a Congregationalist. Thus, on 29th April 1646, he proclaimed in Roman numeral 8, sections 26 through 52, to the Parliament In the very morning of the Gospel, the sun of righteousness shone upon this land, and they say the first potentate on the earth that owned it was in Britain. God will again water his garden, once more purge his vineyard, once more of his own accord he will take England upon liking. I plead for Presbyterial government and churches. Quote, we judge it needless to express ourselves unless to such as shall be so simple or malicious as to ask whether this way be that of the Presbyterians or Independents. Civil divisions of men that may conveniently be taught by one pastor and ruled by elders, as Presbyterians esteem them, receive no injury nor are abridged of any of their privileges, unquote. Owen's later editor, W. H. Gould, was himself sympathetic to Congregationalism. So it is not surprising that Gould here says in section 8, or Roman numeral 8, section 2 of Owen, quote, there can be no doubt that he was at this time undergoing the change of view, which led him in the end to profess Congregationalism, unquote. Elias, Sick, quote, independency, unquote. Owen, quote, not concerned, unquote, even if Presbyterian government had been settled in 1660. According to Gould, Owen was, quote, led in the end to Congregationalism, unquote, yet according to actual fact, at the end of his life, Owen seems rather to have been led back to Presbyterianism, to the Presbyterianism of his earlier days. For during his turbulent years, he had become increasingly disillusioned with Congregationalism. Hence the Episcopalian Anglican Dr. Stillingfeet not inappropriately asked, After the 1660 enthronement in England of Charles II, quote, has Dr. Owen yielded that if Presbytery, rather than Episcopalianism, had been settled upon the King's restoration, would they, Owen's Congregationalists, have continued in their separation, unquote? To this the decongregationalizing and re-Presbyterianizing Owen responded, In Roman numeral 15, section 432, had the Presbyterian government been settled at the king's restoration by the encouragement and protection of the practice of it, without a rigorous imposition of everything supposed by any to belong thereunto, or a mixture of human constitutions, if there had been any appearance of a schism or separation continued between the parties, I do judge they... Congregationalism and Presbyterianism would have been both to blame had they continued in their separation. For Owen adds It would have been a matter of no great art absolutely to unite them. If it shall be asked then why did they not formally agree in the Westminster Assembly? I answer one I was none of them and cannot tell. Number two They did agree in my judgment well enough I am not concerned in the difference." The Functions of Elders in Owen's 1667 Short Catechism Owen's famous short catechism was published in 1667. About this, his later editor Gould very truthfully wrote, "...certain principles laid down in Owen's catechism in regard to the ruling elder, for example, are thought to bear some traces of affinity with Presbyterianism. There might be ground for supposing that on terms suggested by the Catechism, a coalition might be effected between the two denominations. See Owen's works in Roman numeral 15, sections 446. Here, Gould was quite right, for after dealing with the duties of pastors, Elias ministers of the word and sacraments, to preach the word and to administer all the ordinances Owen in that same catechism had gone on to ask in section 15 or Roman numeral 15 section 499 wherein principally doth the authority of the elders of the church consist he answers by citing Acts chapter 20 verse 28 Hebrews chapter 13 verse 7 and 17 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 28, 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 5, Colossians chapter 4 verse 17, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 4 and 8, 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 11, Titus chapter 2 verse 15, 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 2 through 5, unquote. Then he adds some very telling words. Quote, The means whereby the Lord Christ communicates his power unto men, quote, explains Owen, as clearly as one might possibly wish, quote, is by his law and constitution exercised in his church by such and such persons. Matthew chapter 16 verse 19 chapter 18 verses 17 through 20 the way then whereby the elders of the church do come to participate of the power and authority which Christ hath appointed to be exercised in his church is by their and the church's due observance of the rules and laws given by him for their election and setting apart unto that office Hebrews chapter 5 verses 4 and 5 Acts chapter 14 verse 23 unquote. Significantly, precisely, that last text records the appointment of elders specifically by representatives of the presbytery after their prior election by the congregation, but only at the instance of the presbytery's leaders of the apostolic church as such. Acts chapter 13 verses 1 through 5, and chapter 14 verses 23 through 27, and chapter 6 verses 1 through 6. Owen says in Roman numeral 15, section 501, The reason, therefore, why the consent of the church is required unto the authoritative acting of the elders therein is not because from thence any authority doth accrue unto them anew, which virtually and radically they had not before, but because by the rule of the gospel this is required to the orderly acting of their power. If it be asked... Quote, what then shall the elders do in case the church refuse to consent unto such acts as are indeed according to rule and warranted by the institution of Christ? Unquote. It is answered that they are quote, diligently to instruct them from the word in their duty, two to declare unto them the danger of their descent three to wait patiently for the giving of light and obedience unto the church, and four in case of the Church's continuance in any failure of duty, to seek for advice and counsel from the elders and brethren of other churches. Then Owen further asks in Roman numeral 15, section 528, quote, Wherein consists the duty of any Church of Christ towards other churches? Unquote. Dr. Owen answers, Dr. Owen's answer includes also the following duties, quote, Communicating supplies, acts, chapter 11 verses 29 through 30 unquote quote, receiving with love and readiness the members of them into fellowship Romans chapter 16 verses 1 through 2 3 John um, verse 8 through 9 and quote making use of their counsel Acts chapter 15 verse 2 and 6 unquote the above-mentioned Acts chapter 11 verse 29 records donations being sent to the elders of the Jerusalem presbytery superintending many thousands of Christians within that region, and Romans chapter 16 verse 1 commends Phoebe from the centria congregation in the presbytery of Corinth to the various house congregations within the presbytery of Rome. Romans chapter 16 verses 5 through 15. Indeed, the above above mentioned text, Acts chapter 15, verses 2 through 6, records the beginning of the deliberations of the General Assembly in Jerusalem in answer to its receipt of the reference from the Presbytery of Antioch. This is to be found just prior to its formulation of binding decrees to be kept by, quote, the churches, unquote, in all of, quote, the cities, unquote, of Antioch and Seleucia. In Syria where congregations had been established Acts chapter 13 verse 1 chapter 14 verses 23 through 27 chapter 15 verse 1 through 41 and chapter 16 verses 4 through 5. Owen states in Roman numeral 15 section 530 quote it follows that in in case any church singular do give offense unto other churches plural those other churches may require an account from them admonish them of their faults and with hold communion from them in case they persist in the error of their way hence also it follows that those that are rightly and justly censured in any church singular ought to be rejected by all churches plural whatever because of their mutual communion in case there had been any difficulty or doubt in the procedure of the church singular they would have taken the advice of these churches plural with whom they were obliged to consent or consul- to consult unquote. The final re-Presbyterianization of Rev. Dr. John Owen. Presbyterian Baxter was so impressed by words like these in Owen's catechism that he wrote to him, proposing union between the Congregationalists and the Presbyterians, to that Dr. Owen himself replied, Roman numeral 1, section Roman numeral 109 through um, 121, I judge your proposals worthy of great consideration I see no reason why all the true disciples of Christ might not upon these and the like principles condescend in love unto the practical concord and agreement which not one of them dare deny to be their duty to aim at Owen himself in works chapter 16 uh, section 2 or Roman numeral sixteen Section two told several men that he could readily join with Presbytery the way it was exercised in Scotland. Moreover, historian Woodrow in his own seventeen sixteen Anelecta in eighteen forty two edition uh section or um section two um uh or edition eighteen forty two edition two section. The number 2, and then section 263, and the number 2 in section 309 records, quote, Blackwell tells he had this account of Owen at his death from persons who were with him, that he expressed himself very much in favor of Presbyterian government, and said he was persuaded that Presbytery was the way to God. Redpath told me he visited Dr. Owen on his deathbed and Presbytery and Episcopacy came to be discoursed of. The doctor said how he had seen his mistake as to the independent way and declared to him a day or two before his death that after his utmost search into the scriptures and antiquity he was now satisfied that Presbytery was the way Christ had appointed in his New Testament church. Unquote. Owen's posthumously printed true nature of a gospel church and its government Owen died in 1683 one of his most important tracts the true nature of a gospel church and its government was published posthumously 6 years later in 1689 rightly the, la- the later congregationalistic editor W H Gould, or Gould admitted in his own quote prefatory note unquote thereto in roman numeral chapter um, let's see chapter I can't tell what this is saying that because quote of some statements in the following treatise it has been gravely argued that the author returned to the Presbyterianism of his earlier day early days before he died unquote those statements are found especially in Owen's chapter on quote the communion of churches unquote quote this communion unquote Owen there insists in in Roman numeral 16 section 183 is incumbent on every church with respect unto all other churches of Christ in the world equally unquote apparently thinking of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 3 through 26 especially verse 13 and Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 through 16 especially verse 5 Owen emphasized in Roman numeral 16, section 189, that quote, that the true and only union of all particular churches consists in that which gives form, life, and being unto the Church Catholic. They have all one and the same God and Father, one Lord Jesus Christ, one faith, and one doctrine of faith, one hope, of their calling or the promised inheritance, one regeneration, one baptism, one bread and wine, and are united unto God and Christ in one spirit. Two, quote, two things concur on explains Owen, quote, unto the completing of this union of the churches. One, their union or relation unto Christ. Two, that which they have among themselves. Quote, the Lord Christ himself is the original and spring of this union and every particular church is united unto him as as its head besides which with or under which it hath none this relation of the church unto Christ as its head the apostle expressly affirms to be the foundation and cause of its union Ephesians chapter 4 verses 15 through 16 quote the communion of churches unquote Owen goes on quote is their joint actings in the same gospel duties towards God and Christ with their mutual actings towards each other with respect to the end of their institution and being which is the glory of Christ in the edification of the whole Catholic Church quote churches have communion unto their mutual edification by advice in synods or councils synods are the meetings of diverse churches by their commissioned messengers or delegates to consult and determine of such things as are of common concernment unto them all by virtue of their communion which is exercised in them. Quote, The union of all churches as before described in one head by one spirit through one faith and worship unto the same ends Doth so compact them into one body mystical as that none of them is or can be complete absolutely without a joint acting with other members of the same body. This acting in sentence is an institution of Jesus Christ in the nature of the thing itself fortified with apostolical example. For having erected such a church state and disposed all his churches into such order and mutual relation unto one another as that none of them can be complete or discharge their whole duty without mutual advice and counsel, he hath thereby ordained this way of their communion and sentence, no other being possible unto that end. Owen's oh, final words as to why synods of elders are necessary, says Owen in Roman numeral 16, section 197 and Roman numeral 16, section 205. Quote, Synods are consecrated unto the use of the church of all ages by the example of the apostles, in their guidance of the first churches of Jews and Gentiles, which hath the force of a divine institution as being given by them under the infallible conduct of the Holy Ghost. Acts 15. Quote, hence it is evident that it is it is evident what are the ends of such synods among the churches of christ the general end of them all is to promote the edification of the whole body or church catholic and that number 1 to prevent divisions from differences in judgment and practice, which are contrary therein too. the first Christian synod was an assembly of the first or foremost two churches in the world by their delegates. The first church of the Jews was at Jerusalem, and the first church of the Gentiles was at Antioch. To prevent divisions and to pre- preserve communion between them was the first synod celebrated in Acts 15. Two, to avoid or cure offenses against mutual love among them. Three, to advance the light of the gospel by a joint confession and agreement in the faith. Four, to give a concurrent testimony against pernicious heresies or error, whereby the faith of any is overthrown or in danger so to be. Five, to relieve such by advice as may be by any diatrophies unduly cast out of the church. Three, three, third John, verses 1 through 10 Quote, there is a threefold power described unto synods the first is declarative consisting in an authoritative teaching and declaring the mind of God in the scripture the second is constitutive appointing and ordaining things to be believed or done and observed by and upon its own authority and thirdly executive and acts of jurisdiction towards persons and churches Quote, the power of a synod for the execution of its decrees respects either one the things or doctrine declared on its authority from the presence of Christ or two persons to censure excommunicate or punish those who receive them not Quote the authority of a synod declaring the mind of God from the Scripture and doctrine, or giving counsel as unto practice synodically, unto them whose proper representatives are present in it, whose decrees and determinations are to be received and submitted unto on the evidence of their truth and necessity, as recommended by the authority of the Synod from the promised presence of Christ among them, is suitable unto the mind of Christ and the example given by the Apostles, Acts 15. Quote, a synod convened in the name of Christ by the voluntary consent of several churches concerned in mutual communion may declare and determine of the mind of the Holy Ghost in the scriptures and decree the observation of things true and necessary because revealed and appointed in the scripture which are to be received, owned, and observed on the evidence on the mind of the Holy Ghost in them and on the ministerial authority of the synod itself. Unquote. Conclusion Revelation or I'm sorry, Conclusion, Reverend Dr. John Owen died re-Presbyterianized. Thus the life and death and writings of Great Britain's greatest of all Congregationalist theologians, the decongregationalizing and re-Presbyterianizing Dr. John Owen Congregationalists, Congregationalistic Baptists, and all so-called independent Bible churches and also Christian house churches worldwide— need to be moved to follow in his faithful footsteps for as the Presbyter Reverend Dr. Owen points out in what very many regard as the greatest commentary ever written on a single book of the Bible his own exposition of the epistle to the Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 through 4 it is precisely by faith that the first Greek term obtained a good report. By faith, Presbyter Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than the non Presbyter king, Cain. Cain. Abel being dead yet keeps on speaking, so too does Presbyter Owen, who having died as a Presbyterian, yet keeps on speaking thus. Summary of John Owen's re Presbyterianism. Let us summarize Owen's final conclusions in his own words in his essay Duty of Pastors and People Distinguish Roman numeral 13, section 39, he wrote, The principles and rules of that church government from which I desire not to wander are called presbyterial or synonical, in opposition to prelatical or diocesan on the one side, and that which is commonly called independent or congregational on the other, unquote. One of his major works is his True Nature of a Gospel Church. In chapter 11 thereof, entitled of the Communion of Churches, Owen observes in, section, in Roman numeral 16, page 185, quote, Here and then we acknowledge the state of the Church of Christ in this world, unquote. The true union is their, quote, existing union with or relation to Christ their head. Unquote, with quote, joint actings in the same gospel duties towards God in Christ unquote. they have quote, mutual actings towards each other with respect to their institution and being quote, the outward acts of communion among churches may be referred unto two heads of advice and assistance churches have communion unto their mutual advocation by advice and synods and councils. synods are the meeting of diverse churches by their messengers or delegates to consult and determine of such things as are of common concernment unto them all by virtue of this communion which is exercised in them quote this acting in synods is an institution of Jesus Christ in the nature of the thing itself fortified by apostolical example truth, peace and love may be lost among churches and so the union of the Catholic Church in them be dissolved unless this means for their preservation and reparation be made use of. Quote Where there has been any maladministration of discipline whereby any members of the church have been injured, as suppose they are unduly cast out of the church by the power and interest of some diatrophies, it is necessary from the communion of churches and the interest the persons injured have in the Catholic Church whose edification is the end of all church administrations that the proceedings of such a church be reviewed by a synod and a remedy be provided in the case. If it be reported or known by credible testimony that any church hath admitted into the exercise of divine worship anything superstitious or vain, the church itself, then, not endeavoring in its own reformation and repentance, other churches walking in communion therewith, by virtue of their common interest in the glory of Christ, and the honor of the Gospel, after more private ways for its reduction, as opportunity and duty may suggest unto their elders, ought to assemble in a synod for advice, either as to the use of further means for the recovery of such a church, or to withhold communion from it in case of obstinacy in its evil ways it were not amiss if those churches which walk in express communion would frequently meet in synods to inquire into the spiritual state of them all and to give advice for the correction of what is amiss quote here it is evident what are the ends of such synods amongst the churches of Christ the general end of them all is to promote the edification of the whole body or church Catholic and that quote one, to prevent divisions from differences in judgment and practice. Two, to avoid or cure offenses against mutual love among them. Three, to advance the light of the gospel by a joint confession and agreement of faith. Four, to give a concurrent testimony against pernicious errors or heresies or errors whereby the faith of any is overthrown or in danger so to be. And five, to relieve such by advice as may be by any diatrophies unduly cast out of the church, Quote, respect unto the causes or occasions of them will determine what may be necessary on such occasions to constitute a synod. That kind of synod, which some call a classis or presbytery, which is a convention of elders or officers of sundry parochial churches, is the constitution of particular churches by the combination of them all into one unto edification. Quote, Church states whose being bounds and limits are given unto them absolutely by those of the civil government which they belong unto. It is thought meet or suitable that ecclesiastical synods should be accommodated. It is eminently useful. Unto the edification of the church Catholic That all the churches professing the same doctrine of faith Within the limits of the same supreme civil government Should hold constant actual communication among themselves Unquote. This Reformation Audio Resource is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. Many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog containing classic and contemporary Puritan reform books, CDs, and much more at great discounts are on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com. By phone at area code 780-450-3730. By fax at area code 780-468-1096 or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. T6L3T5, if you do not have a web connection, please request a printed, a free printed catalog. If you do have a web connection, would like to be added to our email list, please send an email to add at swrb.com or swrb at swrb.com with the word add in the subject line. SWRB's email list is a double opt-in list, so once you've sent us your email address, you will be asked by email to confirm that you want to join our list using the email address you you have supplied your email information will be kept confidential and you can easily remove yourself from our email list by simply emailing us at swrb at swrb.com with the word remove in the subject line once you are on our email list, you will be alerted to all the new free Reformation resources, free MP3s, free electronic books and texts, etc. SWRB makes available on the web, as well as at times to our best discounts and super specials. We also encourage you to reproduce this audio resource and to pass it on to your friends, but we only authorize this as long as the full contents of the message including the header and trailer is not altered in any way and as long as the audio file or cassette is given away for free thank you again for listening to this SWRB reading and remember that Isaiah 26.3 states "Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee unquote and 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 11 concludes quote, "finally brethren farewell be perfect be of good comfort be of one mind live in peace and the god of love and peace shall be with you" unquote.